0: I know some of you are not comfortable with that, and if you're if you're not, that's okay. That it is. I've been to church services. I wasn't comfortable. I thought, man, these people are a little bit weird. Glory to God. Glory to God. I don't even know if that's a glory to God. Sometimes, sometimes they're just too weird, and they're just weird to be weird. Right. You ever been to church like that? They're just weird to be weird. There's no intent or purpose. They just get weird. Um, so if you were uncomfortable with that, that's okay. Don't don't leave here and go, man. I'm never going back to that church. We've had we've had people we had people come here and they're just like, God, these people are crazy. They just sing, they wave their hands, they dance, and they leave here and then they come back next week. Man, those people are crazy. And then they come back the next week, and, and they get weird and crazy and get baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and uh, keep coming back. I've never been to a football game where everybody just sat on their hands. Oh, good play. Touchdown. Whoopee. And, you know, I'm so thankful for DVRs. Noon, kickoff, Cowboys. Yeah! Since, since when did they start playing at noon? Are they that bad? <laughs> I thought they always got the 3 o'clock or the night games, you know? Texans always got the noon games. You know, if you're not familiar with football, they give the noon games to the teams that aren't that good because they know more people would be watching at 3 o'clock. So then they came up with the DVRs. So it doesn't matter. How many of you are in the game? Because, you know, we always run over at noon. What? Well, Hallelujah. We don't have any cowboy fans here. That's awesome. As a matter of fact, I've got one of the shortest sermons that I've ever done is today. So we're hitting the road after this. I'm hitting the road. I don't get to watch the game. So I'm not even DVRing it. Uh used to make I used to think things were some things like that were really important, but I've come to know. In the kingdom of God, that's really not that important. So if you, now you're feeling bad about going, Way! for the <laughs> don't feel bad, that's okay. You know, people say, I want to be comfortable in church. And that's the last thing God wants us to be, is comfortable in church. Amen. He didn't want us to be comfortable in the kingdom. You know what he wants us to do in the kingdom? He wants us to serve. Yeah. He wants us to say, he wants me to serve. Well, that was hearty. He wants me to serve. Say, he wants me to serve. Me to serve. That's more like it. Because, you know, a lot of people don't like to serve. But, you know, when I look out at this body of believers, and I know a lot of you, I don't know all of you, but I know a lot of you, I see a lot of servants. I do. I see just a lot of servants here. And when I say servants, I say also Leaders. Because the greatest leaders are the greatest servants. If you want to be a leader in the kingdom of God, you've got to be a servant first. And then let God do the elevating and the the promoting. But if you're not willing to serve, you'll never really be a good leader. You'll never be a servant leader in the kingdom like you're supposed to be if you're not willing to serve. And a lot of people just aren't. They don't like to get down. They don't like to get dirty. They want ministry to be nice and neat. Ministry is messy, ugly sometimes, and dirty. So this morning we're going to be talking about servanthood in the kingdom. Uh, This is like part 16 or 25 or 30. I don't know. Uh, If we go back to the beginning, we've always been preaching the kingdom. We've just been calling it this, and that's fine. Call it the kingdom of God because that's what we're about. about. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 22. It won't take long to get through this. (laughs) I always say that, but it never happens. Now, I want to set this up a little bit because chronologically, you know what? It's just taken place before we read verse 24. Uh, they just had the feet washing and the Lord's Supper, okay? Now, in the foot washing or the feet washing, uh, I guess if it's foot washing, you just get one foot wash, but at the feet washing, at the feet washing, uh, Jesus washed all the disciples' feet. How many were there at that time? Anybody know? Twelve. Was Judas in that group? Yes, he was. So think about that. Now, Jesus had just washed twelve dirty feet, pairs of feet, because they were dirty back then. They walked the streets, and they wore sandals, and they didn't have nice, really good pavement. Well, we don't either. Anyway, but <laughs> their feet were dirty. And then he, had, then he had the Lord's Supper instituted that new covenant. And then, right after that, I love the disciples because they're so human. The disciples bickered over which one of them would be considered the greatest in the kingdom. That's the next thing they did. Think about that. Jesus has just got on his knees and washed their feet, he's instituted the Lord's Supper. And it says they bickered over which one of them would be considered the greatest in the kingdom. Say kingdom. kingdom. I'm talking about the kingdom. So Jesus interrupted their argument, saying, The kings of men. And men of authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects, claiming that they do it for the good of the people. And he's talking about the kings, uh, kings of that day, like Caesar. They ruled it over the people, wanted to get their tax money, and they acted like they were doing it for the good of the people. <laughs> they are obsessed with how others see them. I want you to see that because uh, the people in authority, like to, they like to obsess about how people see them, okay? But this is not your calling. Say, that's not my calling. You will be led by different models. The greatest one among you will live as one called to serve others without honor. Say without honor. That means without rewards. We're called to serve others, not expecting to get a reward for it. Okay, without honor. The greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one who has a servant heart. Say servant heart. It's key that you understand this. The leaders who are served are the most important in your eyes. But in the kingdom, say in the kingdom. It is the servants who lead. Am I not here with you, Jesus said, as one who serves you. He said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. That's the king of the kingdom that we uh, that we honor, that we celebrate. He said, I didn't come here to, to be served. I came here to serve you. And he's called us in turn to be servants. <coughs> because you have stood with me, through all my trials and ordeals, I give you your destiny. I am promising you the kingdom realm that the Father has promised me. Now, he's talking about the future kingdom here, the kingdom of heaven. Remember, there's the kingdom within us. There was the kingdom that is now present. Then there's the future kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. He's saying, listen, guys, you're, you have been faithful To me, through all this time, even though you're arguing about who's going to be the greatest, he said, you've been faithful to me, and there will be a day coming that you're going to be honored. He says this, we will celebrate in this kingdom, and you will feast. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And you will feast with me at my table, and each of you will be given a throne, twelve thrones in all, and you will be made rulers on thrones to judge the tribes of Israel. So in other words, at the end of this time on earth, as we are servants, and we have a servant heart, there's going to be a reward that is later on. We're not doing it for rewards now, but he's going to reward us. We're not going to sit on the throne like the twelve, uh, the, the disciples, or the apostles, but we are going to enter into heaven, and there are going to be rewards. Amen? Amen? I don't know what all they're going to look like, but the, the Bible says that when he gives us these crowns, all we're going to do with them, we're going to cast them back, and we're going to put them at his feet anyway. So I'm just going to be glad to get there. So this morning, I see a lot of servants here. I see a lot of leaders here. I see some of you that maybe you haven't crossed that, into that place of servanthood, but today is going to be a, a, a crossing the line for you, okay? Because we just read, in the kingdom, it is the servants who lead. And I think God wants all of us to be leaders in the kingdom because if he wants us to be leaders, that means he wants us to be servants, okay? So two weeks ago, God put this, this subject of being a servant in my heart. And he just put it in my heart. And then we had this leadership uh, meeting with Don Babbitt and Ron Campbell. One of the very first things that Don Babbitt started sharing was what? Servanthood, being a servant in the kingdom of God. So that uh, was confirming that God that, he, that I was on the right track with him. Uh, you know, someone once said, and we, we've already heard it this morning, if you want to go to the next level in the kingdom, if you want to go to the next level, you've got to go low. Okay? You've got to humble yourself. You, you've got to be willing to pray. You've got to be willing to fast. You got to be willing to so to wash people's feet, so to speak. You've got to listen to wash somebody's feet. You have to get down low. So we got to we got to learn to get to that place of humbling ourselves and, and being a servant like Jesus called us to be. Listen, Jesus never asked us to do anything that he hadn't already done or wasn't willing to do. Never. He won't ask you to do something he's not willing to do. Amen. So we're going to look at five keys this morning. Say five. We're going to use the word serve, and we're going to uh, every. Reward's word's going to be easy to follow if you want to take notes. We're going to talk about these things. Now, these five keys all overlap. All of them overlap. So you're going to hear some things repeated, but it's good because being a servant, there's some things that are going to overlap when we look at these five words that God's given me to share with you. The first one is, is the S is for seeing. Say seeing. How many of you have? Not everybody here has great eyesight. I know Eric doesn't. How many of you don't have great eyesight? I remember when I was dying, I had, I had horrible eyesight. I had like Coke bottle thick glasses at one time. I was like a negative seven. Anybody know what that is? That means like you're almost blind. I would wake up and I could see the alarm clock on the nightstand until I put my glasses on. Then I had this thing called LASIK surgery. now, And it's like, wow, I can see. I and mean, that's why I, I barely have to use glasses to see the monitor in the back. But through LASIK surgery, I got to be able to see with my physical eyes. But see, God wants us to see beyond our physical eyes. He wants to see with our spiritual eyes. So when we're ta- when He talks about seeing, He's not just talking about seeing. He's talking about seeing, seeing deep into somebody's heart, to 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 discernment, to seeing with our spiritual eyes. So He's called us to be seers. Okay, look at verse 24, Luke 22:24. The disciples bickered over which one of them would be considered the greatest in the kingdom. He's talking about, they're arguing over what, they, what God was putting in their heart and it was, what God was putting in their heart wasn't what they were seeing, okay? He, talk, he's, he gives them this great example of washing feet. Now, I want you to watch this short video. It's going to give you an example of where we're going to go this morning with talking about uh, serving. And if you'll just cut the lights down so everybody can see this.
1: Nice glasses.
0: No, oh, thanks.
1: I have 20-20 vision. I don't really need glasses. Oh. Well, I used to have perfect vision until I caught an eye disease while on the mission field. So, glasses. It's totally worth it. Um, where did you do mission work? I spent an entire week in Africa. Well, I was in Africa for an entire year. It's amazing how much you get to know Jesus when you're there for that long. Where were you in Africa? I rescue orphans from there all the time. Really? I wonder if you rescue them from the orphanages that I build there. I don't think so. Oh, you wouldn't probably know that they're mine. I don't have my name on the building or anything. I prefer to remain anonymous. (laughs) Oh, Well, I prefer to remain anonymous too, but when you do so much for Jesus like I do, you just can't help but be known. Listen, I have built so many hospitals and churches because I care about the body and the soul. That's nice, but I don't need a church to save souls. I just preach from the side of the mountain, like Jesus. Well, if you would come down off of that mountain, you would know what people really need, like I do. Please, like you know what people need. Me and Jesus, we're tight. Look, you guys wouldn't even know Jesus if he came up to you with a sign that said, I'm Jesus. Are you kidding? I've brought more people to Jesus than Jesus. Well, he wouldn't even have a ministry if it wasn't for me. Jesus. What are you doing? Do you love me? Do you really love me? Then follow me.
0: So many people are concerned about how other people see them. They want to be seen. You know, a sh- true servant, a heart, has a, a heart of a servant, they're not concerned about your image. We shouldn't be concerned about our image. I think that's a very powerful video. These guys are arguing who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus had just washed their feet. You see, when we see it, it's, it's about how we see ourselves. It's how, how others see us. It's how Jesus sees us. It's how we see people out there. If you're, you're going to have a servant's heart, you've got to see people the way Jesus sees people. And they're sitting there arguing. They're all, all prideful. They're all, you know, they're just filled with so much, look at me, what I have done. They're out trying to one-up the next person in the ministry. Have you ever known anybody like that? You you just tell them something God's doing in their life and they say, well, let me tell you what he's doing in my life. And they want to one-up you and then you get into the game of oh, well, let me... Hit. Listen, that's not how God wants us to serve him. He wants us to serve him because we love him. He wants us to serve him because we have the heart of a servant. Verse 25, just the first part of that. They're arguing over what God's over who would be considered greatest in the kingdom. And it says Jesus interrupted their argument. i want to ask you, has Jesus ever interrupted your argument? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, you just wouldn't believe what happened in my life today. And God says, really? That's not a big deal. We make a big deal out of stuff, don't we? That God goes, that's not a big deal. Why are you making such a big hassle? And he interrupts us and he corrects us in the middle of, oh, woe is me. God, why me? And we start all these things. And, and he says, listen, why are you sweating the small stuff? There's a kingdom out there. there, there there's a world out there that needs you. And you're arguing over some little something. He, he interrupts their argument over who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. Can you imagine Jesus interrupting these guys? In their, Ooh, that Jesus was listening in on our conversation. He wants to interrupt us today. Keep us from self-promoting. He says in the rest of 25, the kings and men of authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects, claiming that they do it for the good of the people. They're obsessed with how others see them. I want you to ask yourself this morning, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? I want to ask you another question. How do others see you? Then I'm going to ask you a third question. How do you see other people? You see, if you're consumed with your image and not the image of God, you've missed it. I remember and Andre Agassi, I used to love to watch tennis. Now I don't even know who they are in these names. I just hear, I know Federer and Jokovic and Serena Williams and a couple of others. I don't know all those players. I used to know all the players. But there was a time when Andre Agassi, man, he was the man in tennis. He had that long hair, you know, he's bald now, but he had that long flowing hair and he wore the wild clothes. And he, and he was, he was a, a spokesman for Canon. Remember what the, 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 you remember what the uh, tag was for Canon uh, cameras then? Image is everything. It was all about the image. What are you portraying to other people? Are you concerned about what you're showing other people? See, if you're concerned about showing people something that you're not, then you've got a problem with your image, and you're probably not going to be a very good servant. But if you're, if you're consumed with, I want them to see Jesus in me, then that's okay. Okay? Are you all with me this morning? You think when Jesus got down on his knees to wash the disciples' feet, he's going, oh, man, I don't know what the disciples are going to be thinking about me. They're probably going to be making fun of me. Do you think he's thinking about that? So when you get down to serve somebody, you think, you think other people are like, oh, I want to, man, I can't believe they're doing that. It doesn't matter what other people think. We get so consumed about our image. What are people going to think if I stop and help that person? You know? The second thing is E is for, in serve, E is for empathizing. Say empathizing. Not emphasizing, but I want to emphasize empathizing. Say that three times fast. I want to emphasize empathizing. You know what empathizing is? Here's the definition of it, to empathize. It's to have the feeling or understanding of what another person is thinking or feeling. To, emphasize, to, empathize, <laughs> to empathize is the same as being a person of a compassion. Over and over and over and over in the scriptures, Jesus looked at the people with what? Compassion. Compassion. Matthew fourteen fourteen says this. So when Jesus landed, he, had a, he, he wasn't an airplane, okay? Just when you start it right there, it's like when Jesus landed... He was getting out of a boat. When Jesus landed, he had a huge crowd waiting for him. Seeing so many people, his heart was deeply moved with compassion toward them. He had compassion. I've heard people say, well, I just don't have compassion. If you have Jesus, you have compassion. Say, I've got compassion. Jesus had compassion for everyone he looked at. Even the people that were going to disobey him, he still had compassion for them. The rich young ruler, remember what happened to the rich young ruler? He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, do this, 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 and this. He said, well, I've done all of that. Then he said, well, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. But listen to what Jesus really said to him when he said this. In Mark 10, 21, it says, Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man with tender love. The New King James says, and he loved him. And he said to him, Yet there's still one thing in you lack. Go and sell all you have, give the money to the poor, then all your treasure will be in heaven. After you've done this, come back and walk with me. He says, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to know that even though I know you're not going to follow me, I love you. See, we we want to we wanna minister to people that love us back. We want to serve people as long as they're nice back to us. Right? You want to serve somebody and then they're going to kick the dirt back in your face or they're going to take the bowl of water that you just washed their fat feet in and pour it back on you? You think that's a good way? You think you're going to want to serve? See, some people, they just want to serve if they're going to get some accolades or they're going to get some attaboys or they're going to get some, man, thank you so much for ministering to me. But sometimes they don't do that. You can how many of you have ministered to people and they have turned their back on you? They've turned, they've betrayed you. They've turned their back on God and you're, oh God, well, what am I what I what am I supposed to do? We're supposed to still serve them. We're supposed to still love them. I had a man that he treated me very ugly, he probably wrote some of the worst things ever about me when he texted me one time over some things that I had said to him to bring some correction and love to him. And I went to see him in the hospital after he had had a stroke, and he still said some horrible things. And you know what the Lord said? Give him a drink of water. I don't want to give him a drink of water. And if I meant I wanted to pour the water on him. Just <laughs> being honest. God said, give him a drink of water. So I said, I asked the nurse, can I give him some water? She said, sure. I mean, you know what? He cussed her out okay. So I went over there, I found a bottle of water, had a straw in it and I held it up to him and he took a drink of water. God's called us to be servants even if they don't respond the way you want them to respond. I can't imagine Jesus says, I love you young man, I know I've got a plan for your life. Just go sell everything you have that's so important to you. That's not going to define you. I will define you. I will give you eternal life. And it says the rich young man, the ruler, went away sorrowful because he had so much. But Jesus still looked at him and loved him and gave him the truth. That's what servants do. We don't depend on them giving back to us. We, We can't do it that way, guys. If we're doing it, then we're doing it for the honor and the rewards, immediate rewards that we'll get. And he says the true servant doesn't do it for honor. Number three, this is the tough one. The third part of serve is to repent. Repent repent means to change the way you think. How do we get to that place of humbling ourselves? How do we get to that place of not judging that person that we want to judge so we don't have to serve them? You ever done that? Well, I would give them something, but you know, I bet you that they collect $200 a day standing out here on the road. Huh? Huh? I bet they I bet I bet that's a big con job. It may be, but if Holy Spirit tells you to serve them, serve them. That's the key See, we, we want to make our rules in the servanthood business. I'll serve them if such and such happens. We can't do that. I've been down there to the food pantry. I don't know how many of you have been down to the food pantry, you go down there. there's a lot of people that they're, they're not giving nothing back. A lot of them aren't. They're not giving a thing back. They're just takers. And yet, you know what we do? We serve them. How many of you work in the food pantry? How many of you pray for people in the food pantry? How many of you know that then some of them will never, ever, ever, ever say thank you or come back or get saved or anything or pour into the church? I remember a pastor one time said, you know, I don't want to have college. We don't really need a big college class here. We don't want to minister all these college kids because they don't really bring income into the church. Heard that. Honestly. That's serving just so you get something back. That's not a serving heart. Jesus served humanity. And three-fourths possibly of all humanity will go to hell and after Jesus died for everybody, he said he died once for all. He served us by serving up his life for us. So we've got to come to a place of repentance. We've got to humble ourselves. How do we, how do we empathize with other people? How do, how do we stop judging other people? We do it through repentance. Lord, change the way I think about that person or that people group. Lord, I would serve them, but the color of their skin is not the color I really like. I would serve them, Lord, but listen, they're just so wealthy, Lord, and I don't, I'm, not very, I'm not a man of much means, so I really can't serve them. You know, they're a little bit arrogant for me. See, we like to pick and choose who we're going to serve. Am, am I speaking the truth? Okay, so what do we do? We have to repent. Look at, this, look at this, Luke nine fifty one. Jesus passionately determined to leave for Jerusalem and let nothing distract him from fulfilling his mission there. He's, he, was, he had a mission. For the time for him to be lifted up or crucified was drawing near. So he sent messengers ahead of him as envoys to a village of Samaritans. Guess what? Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. And, but as they approached the village, they were turned away. They would not allow Jesus to enter for he was on his way to worship in Jerusalem. And when the disciples Jacob and John, that's James and John in another uh, translation, realized what was happen- happening, they came to Jesus and said, I love these guys. They were so honest. <laughs> Lord, if you wanted to, you could command fire down from heaven, just like Elijah did and destroy all these wicked people. Because we don't like Samaritans. They're just a bunch of half-breeds. They wouldn't even let us come through their city. <laughs> Can you imagine? Jesus said, how long have I been with you guys? What is wrong with your thinking? Look what he said to them. Listen, Jesus rebuked them sharply and said, Don't you realize what comes from your hearts when you say that? For the Son of Man did not come to destroy life, but, but to bring life to the earth. And yet we do the same thing. We might not want to call down fire from heaven, but we just might not want them to prosper very much. They don't think like me. They don't act like me. They don't look like me. They don't dress like me. And, Lord, really, don't, please don't ask me to go serve them. Because I, when I was a kid, that kid, you know, that race of people were very ugly to me. And it works every which way, guys. I don't know what color you are. We got them all here today. But we make judgments of people, and there are certain people that we're just not going to, you know what? You know, Tattoos, shit I can't believe you're in my church. You're wearing a tattoo. Victor? I don't think you're welcome you've got tattoos on top of your head. (laughs) And I'm not sure they're godly tattoos. Are they all godly tattoos, Richter? No. Abundance, he's raising both hands. One time I said to somebody, I said, you might not be comfortable here if you don't have a tattoo. (laughs) Or if you don't like flags, you might not be comfortable here. If you don't like hand raised, you might not be comfortable. Yeah, I'm not going to make excuses for that. God loves Victor just the way he is. I love Victor just the way he is. But some of you like, I know all the scriptures. It says thou shalt not put a tattoo on your head. There is a scripture that says you're not supposed to mark your body up. Anybody know that? It's in Leviticus. So what do we do with those people? That the tattoo section's over there. (laughs) No, really, tattoo people over there. And we laugh about that, but we make judgments. I don't want to sit by that guy with the tattoos. I don't want to sit by that woman with the tattoos. Uh, We do that. So what do we have to do, guys? If we're going to be servants of God, we've got to repent, change the way we think about people. God loves you just as much as he loves me. He loves you, John, even though you wear those funky patriotic shirts. He loves you just as much as he loves me. See, I'm picking on people. Tattoos, funky patriotic shirts. You see who else can I pick on this morning. Eric, I ain't going to pick on you. You're too nice. But God's called us to be Servants. Well, you're not supposed to pierce anything either, sister. If how many ladies got pierced ears or noses or some other part of your body? That's against the law. I would say you're going to hell, but hey, God has grace. Hey, he was pierced. I just love the fact that he would walk through the city and just love everybody. Not judge anybody. To repent means to change the way you think. In other words, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The world will try to tell you who you can love and who you can't love, but God says, "Nah, It's not my vocabulary. A true servant of God and the kingdom of God can't be prejudiced. It's come to the place of recognizing that we're all the same in God's sight. And if you have a problem with that, see Jesus. Amen. Number four is V is for valuing. Value is to have a high opinion of. Once we've repented to truly change the way we think about others, then we're going to change the way we value other people. How much did Jesus value us? How much did he value you? He put so much value on you that he died for you. That's how much value he put on you. He loves the unborn baby. He put value on the unborn baby. What we, Many of our people in our, in our country don't put value on them. matter of fact, they don't even want to say the word baby. They just call it something else. They call a human being something else. Because they haven't come to the place of understanding how much God loves that baby, how much He loves us. So, we have a problem again. We see uh, earlier, I said, How do you see yourself? Some of you see yourself as not worthy of God's love. And when you do that, listen, what you do that, you're devaluing the cross. You're devaluing what Jesus did on the cross when He died for your sins. So, let's bring up your expectation to see. Hey, I am His beloved. Say, I'm His beloved. I'm His, beloved. I'm his child. I'm His creation. I'm his he loves me. Loves. He, uh, he loves me unconditionally. Loves. A lot of people have a problem with that, but He does. He loves us unconditionally. He values us. And in the same way He values us, He wants us to value other people. I love it when, when the little kids come running to Jesus. Remember what the disciples did? Don't tell, don't tell. Tell those kids get away from Jesus. Those kids, they slobber. Their clothes are dirty. Don't let them get up in his lap. Don't let them get up in his lap. We just watch his robes. And Jesus, I love Jesus, he listens in on all our conversation. Not just theirs back then. He still listens in. Somebody snorted. I love it. He still listens in. On our conversation, he knows how we think about other people. He knows the th- things that we say in secret. He does. He knows. And in Matthew 19, it says, Jesus overheard them. He said, I want little children to come to me, so never interfere with them when they want to come. For heaven's kingdom, remember, is composed of beloved ones, little kids just like these. Listen to this truth. No one will enter the kingdom of realm of heaven unless he becomes like one of these little kids the only way you're going to come in, by simple faith, childlike faith. So how do you see, do you see other people? How do you value other people? Remember uh, the woman at the well in, in public? She was a Ooh, Samaritan. Jews weren't supposed to speak to Samaritans. And they sure, men were never supposed to speak to women in public. And a Samaritan woman, that was a double jeopardy for Jesus. And he just walks up and says, give me a drink of water. The disciples there again. The disciples, oh, there he goes again. He likes people. He loves people. We don't like these people. Jesus, have we not let you know? We call down fires to sizzle her now. (laughs) And you're asking her to give you some water. We got water when you ask us. But Jesus valued her. He valued that whole village because he said, if I can get her, Maybe I can get the whole village. And he saw her and he valued her. How do you look at other people? Do you value only those that are going to give something back to you? Or do you value them because Jesus made them and he values you and he saved you? That's a servant's heart. Luke six. Why did Jesus have to say what he said in Luke 6.32? Because he knew how we would be. He said, are you really showing true love by only loving those who love you back? Even those who don't know God will do that. I remember in elementary school I had a teacher. You know how some things just stick when you hear them? And you just hear it, you remember for the rest of your life? I don't remember a whole lot about school, but, you know. One day that teacher said, if you give a gift just to get a thank you back, then you've given it for the wrong reasons. I never forgot that. Um. Because we expect if we give somebody a gift, they better give me a thank you. They sure better because if they don't, I'm not going to give them a gift ever again. And that's the way we do sometimes with serving. The last one is E is for enacting. I was trying to come up with a better word, but enacting was the best I could do. To enact is to put something into action. Earlier we talked about empathy. Remember I told you all these would overlap? A true servant of God has empathy, has not just sympathy, but empathy and has compassion. Sympathy is just feeling sorry for somebody. Oh, I'm so sorry. She's very sad. Sympathy is just feeling sorry. Compassion is putting action to sympathy. Or to empathy. It's putting action to it. If you read scriptures, and there's a lot of them to read, you'll find that every time Jesus was in a situation where he had compassion, think about this Jesus, we got a problem. There are like 10, 15,000 people here and it's late and then there's nothing to eat. Jesus will Well, you go ahead and you go feed them. And then, are you nuts? We can't feed them. One. All oh, we, we found one kid with five loaves of bread and two fish. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> he said, well, we're going to feed them. Had compassion. And he fed how many? Some say fit up to 15,000 people because 5,000 were just the men. That wasn't the women and children. They didn't count back then. <laughs> we count them now. Aren't you all glad? <laughs> Remember the, the, the blind man in Jericho. Son of David, have mercy on me. If you're out there, because I can't see, but I heard you walking by. Son of David, have mercy on me. What did the disciples do? Shh. It's Jesus. What are you bothering him for? Jesus said, uh, sir, I'm sure he had choice words for the disciples first. That didn't get put in there. Would You got just shut up. What do you want me to do for you? Well, uh. Blind, okay. He healed him. Remember Jesus at the uh, Lazarus died. Mary Martha's brother he died, and he, oh Jesus, if you'd have just been here. Jesus went and he wept. He had compassion. He had empathy. He wept, and he walked to the grave and said, "I'll see you in heaven, Lazarus. Have a good time in there." Did he? See, when he had compassion, he always put action behind it or after it. He said, "Lazarus, come forth, come out of there." He always did something with, he added something to his compassion or to his empathy. And so many times all we do is have compassion or empathy or sympathy, and we don't do anything past that, and God says, "That's just part of it. You're going to be my servants." Matthew 14, 14, so when Jesus landed, I want to read that scripture again, but I want to complete it. He had a huge crowd waiting for him, seeing so many people. His heart was deeply moved with compassion. Say compassion toward them, so he healed all the sick who were in the crowd. It would be like us having a healing service, but we don't pray for healing. Hey, we're going to have a healing service Wednesday night. Y'all show up, and we're just going to look at you. Wow, y'all look bad. You're sick, aren't you? Well, tough, man. It's tough. Maybe God sovereignly, he'll move in like that pigeon earlier that flew in. So I said, well, that's the Holy Spirit. I said, nope, that's not the Holy Spirit. White doves, maybe. You weren't here for it. I was just trying to get the bird out before Mary Lou saw the bird. Oh, God, get the bird out. creepy aren't they birds inside they should be outside y- and they just run into walls is <laughs> yeah. it like a blind pigeon <laughs> you got <laughs> James too James was like ser- one serious dude we're we're about to finish up I know it's like in the first quarter. <laughs> they don't really get rolled until the second half. James says, my dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? How how could this kind of faith say anyone, for example, if a brother or sister in the faith is poorly clothed and hungry and you leave them saying, goodbye, I hope you stay warm, have plenty to eat. <laughs> we do that. Bye-bye. I hope you get something. I hope you get to what you need. I hope the government will pitch in. But you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup. What good is your faith? So the faith that doesn't involve action is P-H-O-N-Y, phony. You might say that, well, Pastor, you're talking a lot about compassion, but I don't see it, in, I don't see it as the fruit of the Spirit. It's not listed there, so I guess I'm okay not to have compassion. Really? Because I see it all over the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. I think compassion would come under that one alone. Joy. How many of you know that you get joy by serving? Oh, man. Man. Nobody knows about it, but man, you just got this. Whew, I felt so good to serve somebody. Nobody knows about it, but God saw me, and I was doing it because I loved Him. Joy, peace. How many of you been peaceful after you you really did something? You knew that God. You heard the Holy Spirit, and you obeyed the Holy Spirit. You just there was a peace that came over you. Long suffering, kindness. I like the the new, the the Passion translation says kindness in action. I think that's compassion. Goodness, oh, yeah, I'm sure compassion would come under goodness. Faithfulness, oh, he just said faith without works is phony. Gentleness and self-control. When's the last time you were moved beyond sympathy to compassion that led to action? That's what a kingdom servant does. If you haven't been serving as you know God would want you to serve, repent. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to change the way you think about people. Maybe it's a people group you have problems with. Maybe it's a class of a group or whatever you have a problem with. And maybe God's going to interrupt you and say, uh uh-uh, uh. Don't go there. Love them. Love them. I want to share a testimony with you as we close this morning. Jeff, if just go ahead and come on up. This happened um, Friday at the food pantry. I'm going to ask Judy, are those people here today that you know of? Okay. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I'll be embarrassed because I'll probably cry all the way through this. But this is a testimony to who you are. Who we are. And Judy got to be a per- participant in this, so she wrote this. And um, she said, to death at fu- the food pantry, I met a man who told me one of the best or the worst rescue stories ever. And God gave me ears to hear and eyes to see. And I became involved in a divine moment. This man came for groceries, he thought. But as hungry as he was before he left my table, he said he knew that he had truly come to freedom for this ministry, for the ministry. Tears flooded my face and my heart was wrenched as he told me how he had been defrauded by an employer, become homeless with his very sick wife, and they were living under a bridge near the lily pad park. Y'all know where that is? As I said, his wife is extremely ill with diabetes with her blood reading over 1,000 points. and She was now down to 80 pounds at the age of 49. <coughs> this man knew that God healed because he had been healed of cancer himself and he had, been, and he had seen her heal... He had seen God heal her at, uh, from cancer and him after falling from a tower, having his back broken so that he was confined to a wheelchair for a couple of years. But listen, but God, through the faith of his seven-year-old daughter, had healed him. He got out of the wheelchair and her in, at her insistence, allowing her to support him to do physical therapy with, his, with, with him. In other words, a seven-year-old girl had a lot of faith. That's why Jesus said, hey, that's what the kingdom is. I remember I was sick not too, a couple of weeks ago and I said, Mary Lou, call Tressie and you tell Ezra to pray for Papa. He's three. Faith of a little child. And she, this little girl helped him with his physical therapy and somehow she knew that her daddy was suicidal. And She at the age of seven had confronted him and made him promise that he would not make her question everything he had ever taught her about the God of the Bible because he had given up and she knew it, but her faith pulled him out of his despair. Back then, that was 15 years ago, but back to this week, back to Friday, while living under the bridge with his wife, he had gone to the store to get food for them, and when he returned, two bad men were about to accost his wife with her too weak to even put up a fight, and apparently he ran them off, and Then he and his wife walked over to a nearby church building and a minister came out to where they sat on a bench there just resting and ran them off because he did not want them. He didn't want homeless folks to be near children. All right, compose yourself, Pastor. He did offer to carry the few belongings the couple had to spot across the street. He explained he explained to the minister that his wife was too exhausted to walk right then but the minister insisted so they left and going across the street she soiled herself and she was just humiliated And they went back to the bridge after a short rest planning to kill themselves to end their life. They have nothing going good in their life. Right after that, they got got back to the place where they were at. This is where the story gets really good. Two police women arrived out of the blue and found them and realized how desperate these people had become. Instead of taking them to jail, they took them to the YMCA to clean up. That's our police force. Yeah. They took them to YMCA to clean them up, and then they took them to a hotel, and they bought them two nights of hotels out of their own pocket. Amen. Judy then said, I flagged down Pastor West and told him what had now become my story, too, It is I was neck deep in it. <laughs> And Pastor West was also deeply moved and told this man that we would take care of him and help him. We carried them to a much nicer motel. That's what we did, our church. Took them to a much nicer hotel than the one they had with a bunch of groceries and will help them get back to Brady where they have connections after the wife sees the doctor on Tuesday. Judy says, Today I watched and I heard the rescue from heaven that God must have orchestrated. He used the police and he used us. We prayed and we blessed all those who had hurt this man and his wife and let forgiveness set him free. His worst problem was the injustices that bound him. He was confessing that he knew it was wrong and that he knew that he had become sour and bitter as well as hopeless. He wept like a little baby. And I know you know that I did too. And I did too. And Mary Lou did too. I came home and Rick sobbed as I told him. This man had looked me in the eye believing he was loved by God and by me and promised me that he would live believing and hoping for better because he saw that the Almighty was a God who really sees and that he really cares. That's who we serve. I like how she ended it. Taking them back to Brady is just an option. God may say differently. We will make that determination (coughs) as he reveals it to us. That's what it means to have a servant's heart. Somebody comes in, they have nothing to give, but we give. People you know that have nothing to give you back, but you will serve them. You will wash their feet. You see, we live in a culture where most people have pretty clean feet. We don't mostly wear sandals and walk in dusty streets. Jesus wasn't talking about washing everybody's feet. I know some people have made that an ordinance. But what he meant was, are you willing to serve other people that may betray you like Judas? I always think about that. huh? How Judas could do what he did after Jesus washed his feet. Now he could just go... 30 pieces of silver. I got to get out of this guy. I, I just can't take this guy anymore. He's just too radically crazy. Are you willing to be radically crazy for Jesus and serve him when nothing's going to look like you're going to get a return for it? That's what he's calling us to be, his servants. Would you stand? Ministry team, come. I want you to sing, This is my desire. Uh, that song because that should be our desire to honor Him when you serve Him you honor Him you honor Jesus so we want to sing that this morning as our invitation and we want to invite you to come this ministry team you know what they want to do they want to serve you this morning they want to serve you they want to pray for you they want to bless you so whatever you're going through maybe it's a, a mental or physical whatever it is a, a emotional spiritual need we want to pray for you this morning. I <coughs> want to pray for you this morning. So you come as